Hi, and welcome to Adopted Feels, a podcast about adoption and other random stuff. I'm Hannah. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to talk about dating and relationships. It's going to get a bit personal and slightly awkward. Hannah and I chat about what it's like dating as transracial adoptees, what we might look for in a partner, and a little about how adoption impacts our relationships. But first, it's time for our random question segment. Today it's my turn to spring a surprise, off-topic question on the unsuspecting Ryan. (laughs) So, I was wondering what you think about this. Um, My work colleague's nephew or something, some young person, um, is studying hospitality, right, at TAFE. And they were told in their um, training that if you... that Basically, the five-second rule doesn't exist. When you drop food on the ground, yeah, it's not okay to eat it if it's, like, just been a couple of seconds because apparently someone... They know, ate something off the ground, and died. (laughs) (laughs) So so I was wondering if you think that's just, like, PS, or... And also, (laughs) whether you eat stuff off the ground. Because I I do... (laughs) I totally live by that five second rule or, you know, like even, (laughs) you were not expecting that. (laughs) It's so random. I'm actually crying. (laughs) I guess I have to believe that that's true because why would someone make that up? Also, I've always thought it was the three second rule, not the five second rule. Mmm, probably. And yes, I do have to say that I live by that rule. (laughs) (laughs) But I might rethink that after this conversation. Okay, moving on. So today we're going to talk about dating. And I think when we talk about our dating histories, it's probably important to give some context um, about the adoptive families we grew up in and where we grew up. Well, I guess... Yeah, I should say that my upbringing was probably quite unique as far as uh, Korean adoptees go. Um, I grew up in Taiwan and then actually in Korea, um, which was just purely because my father got a job in Seoul. And so I moved to Seoul when I was about 14. which was an interesting experience, which we can talk about in another in another episode. Yeah, so like most of the people that I was around and my friends and I suppose, you know, dating options were um, international students and predominantly, especially in Korea, which was when I was in the ninth grade, um, sorry, ninth grade and above, predominantly um, Korean Americans were my um, okay. yeah. classmates. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. What about, like, do you, who do you date now? (laughs) (laughs) Before moving to Australia, I pretty much only dated people of color. So my first boyfriend was Taiwanese. Mm. Um, My second boyfriend was Iranian. Um, Those were, like, the two more significant um, relationships that I had in high school. Then when I moved here... Um, I had my fear, my first queer relationship, and that was with 
um, a white girl. Yeah. Um, since then, um, yeah, it's been um, predominantly white women. So my current partner is a white cis woman. Um, what about you? Well, I think I'm probably a pretty typical Korean adoptee in that I was raised by white parents um, with a white sister, my parents' biological daughter. And I grew up in um, yeah, small kind of white trashy town in Tasmania. And then we moved around a lot, but it was always to... Um, yeah fairly white western places including like like a bit of time in the US so I really identified as white growing up um yeah one of those typical stories where I didn't really want to associate with other Asian kids at school and there there weren't many at most of my schools anyway and only really like dated and you know, crushed on white guys probably until my first trip back to Korea, which was like a, a real turning point for me. I was 26. And we can get more into this later, <laughs> but it was like kind of um, opening Pandora's box in a lot of different ways. And I think from then I started to identify more as an Asian woman. Um, if I'm being really honest, yeah, like, I think some of those career visits were kind of, like, trashy times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll end up cutting this. <laughs> but really, um, other than one um, adoptee that I dated, who shall not be named, um, I have also mainly dated white people in my adult life. And um, my main, like, most significant relationship was with a white guy. So what was it like dating an adoptee? Well, it was something I was really curious about, probably, like, since the time that I first went back to Korea and, like, connected with this big community of Korean adoptees. Why? Curious how? Well, (laughs) I was just like, oh, wow, you know, dating another adoptee, like, they must really understand you in a profound way and you know we'll just be on the same page about so much stuff and there'll be so much that I don't have to explain and you know we can spend time in Korea together and it will be really fun like I think that makes a lot of sense that that there's an assumed like common experience that would tie you together and that would like I feel like that's that's what a lot of people would seek out from a potential partner anyway like a kind of common ground yeah do you think like if you weren't in a relationship now that you would also be kind of curious about dating an adoptee is that a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) i guess yeah like it does intrigue me i suppose um but maybe also because i would kind of have those expectations that there would be um because we have a similar a kind of similar set of experiences that they'll just get you maybe Which is, you know, very idealistic, but again, what I think, like, most people want from a partner, so, like, it's, it's kind of different, but I think I always wondered also about having a sibling that was also adopted, Mm. because there's that kind of, like, oh, what would it be like to, like, be able to be in the world with someone else in a really, like, close relationship with someone else that really understands 
Yes. Obviously, siblings and partners are very different. <laughs> <laughs> I totally yeah. had that fantasy too. Yeah. I thought about that. Mm. You know, just having a sibling there where you can just talk to them about like adoptee stuff like at any time and I think I've heard from like adoptees that do have other adopted siblings that that's often not the case that like one person will be really interested say in like their birth country and doing like you know birth family search and the other person will completely like almost reject all of that Mm. but yeah look dating another adoptee in my experience obviously it wasn't um yeah, successful. So, well, you know, successful. Like we obviously in society tend to rate relationships based on their um, culmination in forever commitment. I don't know <laughs> anyone, but um, I realized, like in in that case, there wasn't um, probably enough of a connection or enough common ground aside from both being adopted. Mm-hmm. So not really surprising in a way, is it, that it's that's not enough to build, like, a whole relationship on. Was Were you both in Korea at the time? Um, we met in Korea and he was living there and then um, we did long distance for a while and then, yeah, a lot of it was long distance. I mean, that probably didn't contribute to the success either, but mm. it was nice spending time in Korea together for sure but it was interesting because I think he had already been there for a few years and at this point I was still kind of new to Korea so I think in that way we didn't match up it was like he felt like really frustrated by a lot of aspects of Korean life that are totally frustrating for adoptees that I more understand now like years Mm -hmm. later but I was still in like this kind of honeymoon phase with Korea and so yeah we didn't match up there you know I would have been interested in moving there like to be with him but he was ready to like leave right yeah and I think I think I've heard that from from sometimes other adoptee couples and I think you like you both have to be honest about that you have to be like well I'm not done yet like living here and exploring Korea and yeah. Or, or however you feel about it. And then the other thing, if I'm being completely honest, I think part of the whole romance of the relationship for me was also kind of mixed up in me discovering Korea at that time. Mm. Like it's interesting that there is a kind of romance to being in Korea or living in Korea, especially from the sounds of it, like, the first few times you were there. Yeah. And, I mean, even, like, you talk about, like, the honeymoon period. Like, it's very, like, mm-hmm. the wording is almost mm-hmm. like you're in a relationship. And so I can totally see how it's impossible to remove the relationship with the adoptee out of the context of the fact that it's happening in Korea and at a very specific like you said, time in your life where yeah. you're discovering what that means for you and yeah. how you fit in there and carving a place for yourself there. You can see how that could be very confusing. Yeah, and also I was totally not ready, I think, at that stage to be in a serious, committed relationship. Mm-hmm. One, I was processing going back to Korea and meeting my birth family and my kind of, like shifting personal identity I was kind of processing all of that 
And also, yeah, I just think I wasn't emotionally mature enough at that stage. I think it was more I wanted the experience of dating an adoptee, which sounds terrible, like I kind of like used him on some level. But that was a a part of a bigger thing that I was exploring mm. and sadly like less about him and our relationship specifically. Okay, so at the moment, um, we basically mainly date white people. Would that be fair? (laughs) (laughs) That is currently true for me. (laughs) But I have to say, I feel like I kind of have some criteria for the white people that I date, like some vetting questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) around race and adoption. Basically, if I date a white person, I also want them to be like woke you know like have, <laughs> yeah have some like g- general awareness about race stuff because I feel like if they don't that can be problematic mm-hmm. and it's not something that I would have even thought about when I was like younger in my 20s but now it's like important to me I think for someone to be like supportive in that way because it's a bigger part of your identity yeah and because I'm much more aware of like um racial issues racial politics okay wait (laughs) I want to hear these vetting questions oh yeah Okay, so I try not to, like, ask these too directly because, you know, I don't want to be, like, too obvious. But I'll explain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So recently I was dating this new guy and um, you know that I just really didn't know that well at all and so even though to be honest I don't think I don't I haven't actually dated someone that obviously had an Asian fetish but I still (laughs) for some reason I still think oh my god I have to somehow check out whether they do. But how would you know if someone really obviously had an Asian fetish? Well, you try to subtly or not so subtly probe about their um, dating history. (laughs) Okay, how do you do this subtly? Um, I don't I don't know if I can answer that question. (laughs) Like, somehow I try to ask, like, oh, so, have you, just curious, have you dated many, like, other Asian women before? And, um, yeah, and so I try to see if there's, like, a a good uh, racial mix there. (laughs) You know, just, like... Yeah, I mean, and then it and then it gets awkward. It's like they start like maybe talking about it a bit, and they're like, "Uh, do you want me to keep going?" And I'm like, "No, no, that's all good. Like, you can like." You're like, I just want a number. I don't need <laughs> you to go back. Um, and then I think. Wait, how do you bring that up? Because um... like, isn't isn't like one of the things about like first and second dates is like you don't talk about exes. Yes, <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, I don't have... I just want to know how, like, you swing that question in. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think the honest answer is, like, after one or two drinks, <laughs> then I just, like, come out with, like, random stuff. Practical advice, guys. <laughs> um, can I ask about your experience now? Because I know that your current partner is very supportive. So when I... I guess when I, like, started dating 
my current partner. I didn't really have uh, clear vetting questions. <laughs> <laughs> because you're um, not like a freak. <laughs> so you're a normal person. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's good to to be aware of what you want and you know. But I think like a level of openness to the possibility that the world might be experienced very differently. Yeah. By. Mm. by someone else who's had a different set of experiences um i think that was that's probably the most important thing i think like our politics match up quite well yeah um i think that if they didn't i would find it pretty difficult to be with with that person Mm. um so that's really important to me but i guess alongside having similar politics is like a similar i guess like curiosity about yeah about other people's experiences so I think, like, she was just very, like, she just asked a lot of questions. She was really, like, genuinely curious. And mm. she, um, you know, she definitely grew up with the, in a way, like, the same narrative that you and I probably grew up with, which yeah. is that adoption is is charitable. Why mm. have children when there are already children in yeah. need? And I think, you know, especially, like, as a queer person, Mm. you know having biological children is is a bit more challenging um in certain cases and so adoption is always kind of presents itself as like a clear alternative yeah Yeah. um so yeah like i mean she's she's said a few times that since meeting me she had a very different understanding of of adoption yes actually previous partners of mine have also said that yeah yeah i think also a kind of understanding that you know it sounds really obvious to us but that you know adoption is not just something that happened a long time ago and Mm. it's over and like you know we we have a good life and and we've actually turned out fine and Mm. so look forward and not backward you know all that stuff i think the reason why my relationship works really well is because of that recognition that it's an ongoing process just as it's an ongoing process for anyone with any set of identifications to figure out what those mean right yeah like yeah like she's half australian half american and Mm. i know that that's something that isn't always easy for her Mm. right and it's not like well that's just a fact and that's in the past and now get over it right like there's a kind of yeah. You know, like we're we're kind of hopefully in this together and exploring this together, but it might not it, it might be difficult to kind of plan out what that looks like. Yeah. Firstly, like that's so beautiful. You guys are couple goals. <laughs> um but also I think, you know, on some level we're saying that I think that we probably value these qualities like openness and compassion and understanding and you know genuine kind of curiosity about someone else's experience and genuine wish to be like supportive and be an ally I I think we're you know probably looking for those kinds of qualities in a partner in general and that um and then hopefully yeah someone like that would be understanding around adoption and I think it's interesting like this I don't know if this is going to sound melodramatic to some people, but I think within the adoptee experience, there are also kind of um, microaggressions and certain 
barriers and lack of privileges compared to non-adopted people. Mm. Would you agree? Like just around some, you know, just like often not knowing anything about our personal history and in some cases, you know, not knowing your precise date of birth, Mm. place of birth, time of birth, um, not having any medical history um, and often not having any knowledge or very little cultural knowledge of your ethnicity, yeah, mm. and no uh, straightforward way of gaining that knowledge. I think it's also, I mean, this is like kind of whole other territory, which is mm. relevant, but probably <laughs> we can't get into it. Um, I think that's the story of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there are also lots of, I don't really want to say challenges because it makes adoptees sound like they're a problem which they're not Mm. but I think there are like you know anecdotally and and I've seen kind of tendencies of these for me personally like there I think fear of abandonment is real I think not wanting to let someone get too close to you because you're scared mm, that they are going to mm. leave and therefore This is totally you, relevant, by the way. It, <laughs> I was like, we're going to like the like psychology of it. But um, it's kind of a really difficult pattern to get stuck in because that person might want to be closer to you or want mm. you to be able to, to share more of yourself with them, but you can't. Mm. And therefore, it, it you know, I think a lot of relationships probably break down because of that kind of cycle, which isn't... I'm not saying that it's an adoptee's fault that that's the case, but I think it just also kind of creates another set of of challenges. Like, how do you let someone in? How do you trust that person? How Mm. do you be yourself completely with a person? Yeah. When the whole reason why you're in this country and in your family is because of a separation, right? Like, that Mm. kind of to a certain extent defines where you are how do you acknowledge that past and that history and try and you know still like carve (laughs) functional (laughs) relations and I mean obviously most of us manage to still um, have very close rewarding functional relationships but um, yeah I think there's definitely as with any other um, adverse childhood experience or, or trauma, I'm going to use that word, um, I think there's a lot to process. It's, it, this is, I mean, my adoption experience, which is maybe a little bit different because I was adopted when I was three, has definitely affected uh, my intimate relationships, like, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, this... It's a big topic to get into. I mean, just briefly, this is how I knew that my my first inkling that, that adoption had kind of affected me psychologically was with my first um, real boyfriend, and I was nineteen. Um, yeah, I kind of started dating a bit late. Anyway, by the by, so <laughs> and when um, he like would take a while to return my call or like yeah when I hadn't heard from him I didn't know what was going on and then also when we eventually broke up 
I just had um, reactions that I knew were like quite like completely extreme and disproportionate to what was actually going on and a lot of anxiety and like uh, kind of disproportionate grief Mm. around yeah separation and um, not hearing from someone and and then yeah like the, the end of the relationship and it's like I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew that something was being triggered that was like not just that relationship. And we'll be discussing this further in a future episode on the impact of adoption when we chat with an adoption therapist about the book The Primal Wound and what it's like working with adult adoptees. If you have any comments or questions on like any of the quite broad reaching range of things that we've talked about today like please email us we would love to hear from you um our email is adoptedfeels at gmail.com and then we can like address your email in our next episode so hannah what are you reading or watching at the moment i'm reading stephen king's on writing Mm-hmm. I just think he's the most engaging writer. I actually haven't read any of, like, you know, I've obviously seen some of like the, the classic film adaptations, but I haven't read any of his novels. And someone just recommended this to me. And, like, the first bit is about his life, and then it goes into, like, actually how to improve your writing and, and the writer's toolbox and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some very practical advice around writing. Um, but he can make anything sound engaging. That's quite a skill. I, I, I love his writing style and tone, and it doesn't feel like you're reading an instruction manual. It, it just, it's just so... Um, I, I'm really, really enjoying it, so... Oh, good. Yeah. What are you reading? I d- don't think I'm really actively reading anything i'm kind of in the middle of um a book called lose your mother um oh that sounds a bit (laughs) too close to home (laughs) um by uh, sadia hartman um it is it is like a very intense book it's about um tracing the like transatlantic slave trade and she's also like a really 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 brilliant writer but it is like it is very, very heavy, as you'd imagine, and okay. also quite, like... So I'm about halfway through it, but... Um, I also started watching this show on Netflix the other day called Dirty John. You are always, like, starting, like, these, like, unusual Netflix finds, you know? <laughs> Actually, I... I think I've seen that one oh. <laughs> pop up, by the way. But your oh. others are, like, I'm very kind of, like, esoteric. <laughs> Um, I feel like you're like really kind of brave in just like giving things a go on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Because I'm much more. I just press a button, I just (laughs) sit there. Yeah, but I'm much more inclined to like, you know, something needs to be recommended to me, I need to have heard of it Mm. before I'm just going to like, yeah, watch a whole episode or. Maybe your time is much more precious than mine. That's absolutely not true. (laughs) Thanks so much to Ellie Freeman for designing our super cute website, and to Domus, the very talented musician behind the original music you've been listening to. 
and thank you for tuning in to our first ever episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast. Our Twitter handle is at Adopted Feels. And if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and consider supporting us through Patreon.